Revision to government's capital procedures and regulations might not sound like the most riveting of subjects, and yet tens of millions of taxpayers' pounds are spent each year on government's capital programme. On agenda this evening, Treasury member Andrew Smith, MHK, and Jason Lord, Treasury's capital projects controller, explain the changes. So why does Andrew Smith think these changes are important? Well, I think it's important because, um, obviously, as a, as a new member and um, especially as a chairman of this uh, board within Treasury, I could see one or two of the issues that had arisen in previous capital projects, and I thought it was um, pertinent for me to just undertake a review. And uh, the reason that I, we had our conversation is because I thought that you would be interested, and indeed the listening public will be interested to know of your past experience as a, a, a former a DOI minister and being involved in major capital projects and um, what we're now looking to do to um, obviously recognise some of the um, things that may have gone adrift uh, and awry uh, previously and um, to discuss this new capital project procedure and how we think this should give us greater uh, control and uh, also both public and political transparency transparency regarding uh, future capital projects. Uh, and Jason, I mean, you know um, probably as well as, as anybody that managing capital projects is quite a difficult thing to do. Uh, and I, I, I was listening to a programme on a uh, BBC station not that long ago uh, which was suggesting that something in the region of 90% of the world's capital projects run over budget, maybe not uh, massively over budget, but but most of them do. Um, how is it so difficult to 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 get things like this right? Well, in the world we live in today, because um, you've got a lot of market uncertainty within the capital process and materials, inflation, the wars, etc., that are happening currently in the world, it's very volatile now. So when you start a capital project, you do build a, a certain amount of contingency in there. However, it's very difficult to actually map out that contingency. So the cost just increase and increase and increase, and you do get a lot of scope creep. So within the new process, we've defined a lot of that within the new process to define scope, so we can control and and react against market uncertainty and delivery. And scope creep is basically um, politicians set set you a, a scheme with with their officers, and then uh, part way through they decide actually uh, we want to add on a, a, a little bit of this and perhaps we could take that off and, and the next thing you know the, the project that you started with is different to the one that you uh, have, have actually ended up with. Yes, in, in, many, in many terms. It's not necessarily political pressure or, or department pressure. The world changes, the needs change from a department and what you need to deliver. The new capital process allows us, we've got gateways through the feasibility stages to allow us to reassess and if it's the wrong direction we can stop at that point and come back to the table again with a new project. So it gives us a bit more flexibility within the process now. So Andrew, um, I think anyone and everyone listening in to this programme will have their favourite example of a capital project gone gone bad. Um, This is um, designed to stop that happening, but often when, when government does things like this, uh, layers of additional red tape are introduced, which then make it 
more likely that something's going to go wrong because there's so much more added to the process. Uh, please tell me that this is not the case in, in, in these wonderful reforms. Well, I say, from my understanding and uh, obviously involvement with um, the, the SACIC um, committee and what we're trying to do, it's definitely not another layer of management. Um, yes, it's a layer of oversight and it's, it's there to ensure that the projects are properly costed and um, reviewed on a regular basis so that there's every opportunity for both Treasury and the Department to see if something is going awry immediately rather than waiting way down the line and then everybody's got a shock and the public end up paying for that shock. So that's what, that's what so I can assure the public that we're, we're on to this, we have regular meetings and it's our duty and responsibility that whatever we recommend to Treasury, because obviously this, it's our recommendation that then goes to the Treasury Board from this, from this strategic board, is it has been properly discussed, properly rationalised, has the, the idea of the funding, and then we can then recommend. So it's not, a, it's not an additional layer, it's just a part of the process which will definitely streamline it and not inhibit so, so in essence, uh, this is a um, a revision of a an existing bit of bureaucracy rather than the introduction of a new bit. Yeah, it's it's just a, a revision of what, as I said, as, as Jason mentioned, you know, and we all know we can not, nobody can accept, and it's not an excuse. Nobody can accept that things don't change at a rapid pace nowadays, and nobody can deny that the Isle of Man is vulnerable and open to international changes, will be whatever it may be, from far across the world to just a close neighbour, you know. Um, so, in fairness, it, we've got to be alert to all these things and react uh, as quickly as we can, and that's what we can do through this new new, new procedure. And why this all matters, of course, is it's is it seventy, eighty million pounds a year is spent or, or is um, allowed for in the government's capital programme. It's not always all all spent, though, is it? Not always all spent. And I think that was another issue that uh, we'd, we'd noticed because, as as you may remember, in your day, every every department bids for various things, and, and the capital projects. Um, if, if you wish, portfolio builds to magnitudes that you, you, you can't even get your head round. And then as a consequence of that, the some projects then uh, either run into the sand, whatever it be, nothing happens. And so therefore, you, there'd be people say, well, hang on a minute, you were talking about this project. Well, did you deliver it? Well, no, it's changed. So what I say, there was no clarity. So it was and lacking direction and obviously lacking the funding to actually support some of these projects which were really just pipe dreams. So again, what we've tried to do is to rationalise it so that the public understand exactly what we're trying to achieve and the politicians are also fully aware of it. And in this process, the politicians have to vote. Uh, Timwald has to vote on um, certain parts of it. So therefore, there is this involvement. So it's not a case of deciding on a scheme, a department, and then they just go, uh, they, they just move on at their own pace and at their own will. Um, there are checks and balances in here, so we've all got to be on. We're all on the same page at the same time. So, what then has uh, fundamentally changed in, in relation to uh, the procedures? And, well, if I can just give you a brief, I'll just give you this brief resume of what the capital projects <laughs> overview right, is is all about. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, a feasibility study analysis analyses, if I can spit it out, a potential projects benefits risks costs and potential outcomes. 
But but people would expect that to have happened anyway, surely. So if I just jump yeah. in a second, the old process you you um, bid for a business case once a year that was the that was the old bidding process for discrete capital projects and that's what this process is um what this new process allows you to do it and it allows you to come in four times a year for capital projects again to help with maintaining and and reacting against market pressures Uh, it allows you to scope out in the feasibility stage so say it costs a quarter of a million to do a feasibility that allows you to flesh out from conceptual design all the way through to fixed design and bills and materials and 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 finite costs so we before we even put a business case in so we've got everything that we need to suggest whether a project's deliverable or affordable then what happens then is that it comes in as andrew said into into a gateway the gateway is to review whether or not we still believe that's the way the department would like to go and the, and the Treasury and the government. If that gets the OK, we'd, we'd produce a business case, which is what you would do once a year in the old process. That can that gets voted on through Tim Walden Council, etc. That gets voted on now. We can do it four times a year. The gateway's open to make sure that we can react and then we can deliver projects on time and within a, within a cost, within market market uh, fluctuations so we be- believe that that's more deliverable now than it probably was before to give us a certainty on what we need to do so so that in itself is 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 quite a radical step then because in the past i mean uh, trying to get business cases made public um was was uh, quite a, a difficult thing to do so effectively what you're suggesting uh, maybe i've mis- mis- misheard but is that business cases will be produced and then they'll go to Tinwalds and Tinwald will make decisions on those business cases yeah the business cases will be produced once a feasibility has take has taken place with known outcomes hmm. uh, so everything's like i said it's it's a bit more deliverable there's less risk to the taxpayer and and delivering the project and i think it's fair to say also that we've we've tried through treasury officers jason and others to um accommodate departments if because sometimes in fairness they they know what they want but they're not always sure how the processes to undertake it so we 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 support them so we, we you know the the free the officers within the various departments are free to discuss with treasury officers that have got the expertise how to formulate this so that when the business case does come before us it, it it's credit you know it, it's kind of and that, that's not been disre- disrespectful in the past to anyone that may have been producing business cases but the thing is if we're looking to streamline the process and include accountability then it's better to have something that's correct right at the outset then be backwards to and fro in which causes delays and disruptions etc and again I, I imagine the public listening in on this will be saying well surely to goodness proper business cases and proper procedures must have been in place in the past um so i'm i'm i you know i know there were um but uh, i suppose what i'm trying to tease out is is what's changed from what's what was there uh, to 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 what's going to be the new uh, well, procedure? Well, as I say, I think from my perspective, I recognise that there were the challenges that you did just raised, and I said, well, we're not looking to apportion blame, or point the finger, but we're just saying, well, there were issues in the system. So what we said, well, let's produce and let's review and let's look at the system that will better fit 
the needs of it's only a small island out all the departments and and I say treasury's position of protecting the public purse so what is the best and most rational way of doing that so we say well we'll put a new not not another layer not more red tape but a new um, um, updated version of what you had previously with these gateways in which it also includes both council ministers and Timbald Moore. And in relation then to uh, to, to this, uh, obviously the business case will will be measured on certain criteria. Um, obviously, cost effectiveness of, of delivering the program will be part of that. There will be uh, what the the you know w- whether this project will potentially reduce overall uh, running costs for government or whether it will increase running costs. And if it does increase, then presumably you'll be having things like. Uh, uh, you know th- this is the the measure that it helps deliver that is a, an essential pr- um, priority or whatever um but there are a number of other issues i mean particularly uh, we, we're living in uh, an age where environmental issues are really uh, to the fore so how how are all of these things assessed uh, in, in terms of this new um, structure the assessment is it's assessed in the, in the old in the old system it was assessed also so we have a post project yeah, we um, evaluation afterwards to look at all the all the measures we're we're marking ourselves on all the KPIs that we've put in place to to see and control what we're doing. Um, I think it's it's the only way to do it post process and then the lessons learned log of how we improve. I think. Um, but I suppose I'm I'm talking about the business case that's going to be voted on in Tinwald. How how do you how how do, how is that constructed? What what are all the features that need to go into that? Well, I think it's uh, from our from our perspective anyway. We would look at it, and um, we we've got to identify the need. I think I think that's that's crucial to you identify the need. And as a consequence of that, it's not it's not Treasury that's identifying the need, and it's not the Capital Projects Board, and it's not SACIC that's identifying the need. The department identifies the need, so they understand they have a need. And um, obviously, there's no every department is, doesn't have a capital projects unit, so they've got to recognise that whatever their need is, they have to feed that in to the unit, so that we then understand what we need to deliver for them to deliver there. So if it's education, so they they need to educate. Okay, so then they'll say, for argument's sake, they need a new school, and we talk about one at the moment. We don't need to go into detail about obviously, but we talk about one at the moment. We've talked about it for quite a number of years. I understand that, but what we're saying until we, until they understand what they actually need uh, to feed into us, then we can't develop anything. So once they've understood that need then we say, well, okay, now leave it to other people. You put in all the matrix of demographics, et cetera, et cetera, and then we will then uh, look at the design team and that, that will, they will then determine the project that is required to fulfil that need, I think is fair to say. So in part of the business case criteria, you've got social benefits and social impacts. You've got the environmental impacts and environmental ass- assessments depending on the type of project of course and then you've got the green initiatives they're all measures within the business case creation to capture all of that and then we'll we'd look back afterwards to see whether or not we've de- delivered on that and, and of course one of the essential roles of treasury is uh, you know even with um, officers who are very very capable of producing business cases you know if, if every department of government had the most uh, capable of officers who knew exactly what what they were doing and all produced these wonderful business cases, ultimately you've got 70 or 80 million pound a year to spend 
and uh, you can't afford to spend the amounts that no doubt will flood in. That Often there'll be maybe two, maybe three times the number of business cases as what you can actually afford. Uh, so how is, how is that selection process undertaken? Well, that's obviously that brings me back to the conversation we had earlier in, in saying that you had all these departments bringing all these grandiose schemes forward because in their own way they all they all felt they were important to themselves but then we just, well hang on a minute we've only got a certain amount of budget so then it's a case of prioritizing and i think that's also part of a discussion between the various departments and treasury as to what what then we be obviously in strategy and obviously coleman is, is critical in this because of um you know strategic infrastructure needs and uh, they would then play a part in that say well oh, you've got all these departments with all these grandiose schemes so out of those which are priority so we can tease that out from the various um you know points of uh, of contact through the the the, um, the trail of the scheme and, and you know one of the charges that uh, certainly was brought uh, in my time anyway uh, against treasury was uh, treasury had a habit of trying to micromanage the department's schemes so i mean the the, the one example i use and and it could be a a, a, a misremembering on my part but I, I, we we were designing the the, the drainage system for peel road and of course the, shortly after peel road was completed it flooded um and doi got the blame for that but actually treasury had told us uh, this old climate change is a load of nonsense it's not a real thing therefore you don't need the pipes as big as you're suggesting therefore you can we'll give you the budget for the small pipes but not the big pipes and then of course it floods uh, and, and that might be uh, me misremembering mis something but but that level of micromanagement of, of uh, projects was always an irritation mm. for departments presumably in the new system that won't well uh, from that, obviously I can't comment on that before obviously before my time but what I would suggest is that I, well from my current um, experience Treasury has never been in a situation where they're trying to micromanage because otherwise you say well if Treasury is micromanaging every why, why bother, bother with any department you know, if they're trying to, we're we're not looking to micromanage that, which is why you bring this scheme, which you know is it's been all through your all through the particular department. It's been brought to feasibility. We understand that everything that's gone into it and all the um, independent assessment that you may have, and, and, and to quote you in what what size pipes you need for flooding, one thing or another, and we accept that. We don't. Yes, we still have to challenge certain things. If it's a bit what we say, well, hang on a minute, is it really all bells and whistles? Do it, you know? We, we, there's still some rationale that we have to do that because you can't just carte blanche. Uh, say well, yeah, we, we uh, I believe everything that 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 may come in with these schemes. But this is also part of, as I said, that interaction between departments and their officers and treasury officers dis to discuss all these facts, and then th th we get the benefit of those discussion, which now which are then brought into the new this new capital procedures process with a, a properly worked up business case. So things, I mean, the obvious things that people uh, look at. Um, when when they're talking about large grandiose government capital schemes, I mean, the, well, the one at the moment, of course, is the Liverpool Sea uh, Terminal. Um, will the new procedures help reduce the risks that have led to uh, the significant overspend there? Well, I would like, as I say, obviously, from again, it's a, it's a project that I've come in part way through, but I would like to suggest yes. 
most definitely because there would be far more this process that we've got here would have far more accountability now in saying that obviously we recognize that that's an off-island project and an off-island project as anybody can understand is far more difficult to keep keep a physical eye on because obviously if you're on the island and um, public or anybody walking around you say well hang on a minute what's happening here on this scheme now, you can't physically see that but i would suggest that um this this process with the checks and balances that we have throughout the procedure would definitely assist in that because we would be in regular contact with the design engineers um, and the um, and all the other uh, independent advisors that were involved in that process so there'd be a, a continual ongoing dialogue as I would suggest from my perspective and understanding uh, in my time that we would be in a better place okay so this is going to be introduced. Um, uh, presumably, it's it's going to be. Is it is it an immediate introduction? Is it uh, going to be introduced next year, or how, how does that work? This is this new process is introduced in April of this year. Right. Okay. Um, again, it's it, <clears throat> it's the feasibility stages to give us more 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 certainty about the cost and the delivery. Um, like you say, in the market, steel's gone up between twenty and thirty percent in the old process you would ask for X amount of money and with before you've even done any feasibility. So you don't really know what the market is. And it could take two years to bring to the, bring to the market. Whereas a feasibility stage, because it should only take four months, five months to actually get your capital money for business case um, to allow you to start construction. Um, we're reducing that gap by at least a year, if not more, to give us more certainty. So the likes of other projects that the market has changed. It has a massive impact to a big project, 30% increase. Um, but this new process is in place. It's been in place since April, and, and we're currently running this new process and working on it, and working with transparency with departments to give clarity on what we what we're trying to deliver. And sadly, we are now coming towards the end of the program, Andrew. So, uh, um, the obvious question that needs to be asked is: um, There's an election in 2026. By that, uh, by the election, are we are, are the the Manx public likely to be much more reassured that the capital programme is going to be delivered on time and on budget than perhaps they are at the moment? Well, I would like to think so. Uh, and I mean, that uh, obviously a lot of people will say, well, you know, you take the words of a politician with a pinch of salt. But I would certainly say that, you know, we're doing, we, we are endeavouring and we are, you know, we, we're, we're trying to be open, transparent and have accountability. And the thing is that every, every meeting of SACIC is fully minuted and um, all Treasury Board uh, meetings are fully minuted. So what we're trying to do is that they are available or they would be available if anyone was really interested in, in checking through a scheme specifically. But rest assured from, from my perspective, and I know the sterling works of my Treasury officers within this particular department are fundamentally supportive to this and we are all earnestly working for a better outcome regarding the Isle of Man, its public and capital projects. And uh, Jason, what are the, the key messages you'd like to get over? Well, the key message is we've we brought a scheme to the market that's that should give us more certainty on the cost and delivery so that whatever we do bring is actually achievable. You know, in the past, we've probably only achieved 50% of the capital projects. There's a lot of money tied up, as you said before, within that process. Uh, so that allows that, that money to be 
put in the areas that, that we need it to. Um, so the the new flexible process allows everybody to flex within the within the departments and the government. If we have an if we have an emergency situation where we need money and funds, we can flex within four months. Um, whereas the other the old process was it's a twelve month period, so it allows us to to understand what's happening in the world and try to combat against that. That's what we're trying to deliver. That was Treasury Member Andrew Smith, MHK, and Treasury's Capital Projects Controller Jason Lord. The capital programme has rarely been delivered on time and on budget, so will these changes help to ensure more efficient delivery of the big schemes that provide us with the services government thinks we need? Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting Phil Gorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Good to Thanks for listening.